Folks, Armin Hammer here. Today we're going to talk about the new Mayhem Freedom team roster, which is full of some real heavy hitters, but also comes with a little bit of controversy about whether or not they're actually allowed and eligible to be on a team together. But before we get into that, be sure to subscribe to the channel to make sure you don't miss any of my content, and also stick around for the end of the video for a word from my newest sponsor. Now let's get into this mayhem freedom situation. Of course, you and I both know that Rich Froning is the reigning defending team champion in CrossFit, and the last time there was a team competition was 2019, when all of the rules for the Affiliate Cup were thrown out the window, and it just became super team against super team. And it was probably the most exciting team competition that we've ever seen at the games, because it was like less than 10 teams and they were all full of people that we recognized in events that were interesting to watch because there weren't a thousand people on the field at a time doing things that none of us were able to keep track of, but neither here nor there. The affiliate cup model is less about super teams and more about the community coming together to participate in a competition. And the new team that Mayhem is fielding, since they didn't have a team competition in 2020, and they are finally back to arguably a team competition in 2021, because we've been told that there's going to be more than just the individual competition this year, the new roster that they're fielding is pretty insane. It's Rich Froning, Chase Hill, and Taylor Williamson, Andrea Nisler. So if you don't recognize those names, I can't help you if you don't recognize Rich's name, but Chase Hill was one of the members of Mayhem Independence, and he is himself a pretty impressive specimen. Andrew Nisler, Taylor Williamson, you may not recognize their names, although you should, because they are probably the two best female team games athletes, period. Bar none out there, They're, they were like highly recruited in the 2019 and the 2020 seasons onto whatever teams could have them on there. They were on the last team that actually beat Mayhem Freedom, I believe, which was at Rogue uh, Invitational a year or two ago. And they are obviously comfortable working together and clearly willing to do what it takes to win because they're joining who were their biggest rivals in Mayhem Freedom. So the roster is pretty stacked, and they are obviously the favorites because it's Rich's team and these are all badasses. So where does the controversy come in? Well, we've talked about this actually in one of my other videos about the Affiliate Cup rules and the eligibility requirements. And it has a lot of nuance to it, but it is clear on a couple of things. One is that the eligibility requirements backdate to January 1st, even though the rulebook was released on January 7th, and there are rules requiring someone who is the licensee of record for an affiliate, basically the person whose name is on the board with CrossFit about this is the person who owns this affiliate, the owner of this affiliate, the licensee of record, the LOR. There are very specific rules in place that the LOR can't be changed after January 1st, in order to allow for that LOR to compete on a team that they weren't a part of before. So the entire Affiliate Cup eligibility rules are pretty intense. You have to live within 100 miles, which you have to prove by having like your, your bills or like mailing address proven to CrossFit. 
You have to be a member of the actual affiliate, which you have to prove by having like a signed waiver and your monthly billing or whatever that ends up looking like. And you also have to prove that you actually physically train at that location on a regular basis through social media posts or videos or whatever. And so those three rules plus the LOR rule, which is very clear in that you can only be on the team of the affiliate of which you are the LOR and you can't just switch around the licensee of records in order to compete on a different team, those things kind of work against mayhem in this situation. Now, the last time I talked about this, I'm pretty sure I brought up the fact that this whole like rulebook situation being released on the 7th and backdating to the 1st is a pretty weird and borderline unreasonable thing to do in CrossFit's place because it's been two years that the Affiliate Cup hasn't had any of these rules. And while we knew that they were going to do something like the Affiliate Cup again, CrossFit is, of course, not communicating with us on a very clear or timely basis. So we didn't really know what the details were going into the rulebook. And having the rulebook sort of backdate and potentially affect the eligibility of athletes who could have pretty easily moved things around without giving them the opportunity to have like a grace period could be seen as unreasonable and in my opinion would probably be unreasonable on CrossFit's end. However, I actually reached out to CrossFit about this when I first did my rulebook video like way back when in the beginning of January when the rulebook was first released because that really stood out to me and I reached out to them and I asked them specifically, how strict are you planning on being with this enforcement? The, the rule of eligibility begins on January 1st because that is a pretty brutal rule to, to enforce, not just for the mayhem. It, it could be brutal for a lot of different teams. And just imagine, for example, your affiliate has multiple locations. Well, you might be just one affiliate brand that has a north location and a south location, and you might want to put together one team, but the eligibility requirements require you to train at that specific location. So you wouldn't be able to sort of switch people around even though they all pay to the same company, they all do the same programming. If they train at different locations, it could be a problem. And so there, there are for sure many situations here where a little bit of grace and a little bit of leeway and working with athletes and affiliates would be seen as a positive. But the response that I got back from CrossFit regarding how strict that they were originally planning on being with this rule was, quote, very strict. That said, regardless of what we're looking at here, CrossFit basically has two options. Option number one is to be a massive stickler. And this is going to be a, honestly, it's probably gonna have a big fallout in my opinion. Being huge sticklers about this rule isn't just gonna affect mayhem, which is the most interesting thing happening in the Affiliate Cup. I, it, it, I, I don't think that's an arguable case. Like the Affiliate Cup was never interesting to watch because of the bottom 50 affiliates teams that were competing, it was only ever interesting to watch because of like three super teams that came together. And if you're wondering whether or not super teams were like a thing before the affiliate rules were disbanded and it just very outright became super teams, they were of course a thing. There hasn't been like a real affiliate 
based off of those rules that we have available right now, there hasn't been like a real affiliate team that has won the affiliate cup since like 2011. And even that, after that, like you start looking at Tommy Hackenbrook being together, the Ute crew, and those are people who are training at different locations under the same general affiliate. So like even that you're looking at, these rules would kind of count those teams as super teams. So CrossFit can be super, super strict if they really want to be. They can be like hyper strict and everything that doesn't work within this rule book as written is absolutely anathema and they're gonna just completely start like nuking affiliates left and right. Or they can actually work with people in the community, they can go back and forth and maybe not necessarily have like negotiations or compromises, but allow a little bit of leeway for people who are quite literally just trying to like deal with the rules as they're given to give them the rule, the room to actually do that. This wouldn't be the first time, by the way, that the rule book was published in one form and then amended later if they decide to make any sort of amendments or be a little bit loose with it. And I actually have a very concrete example for this. If you remember, which you probably don't, which is totally fine, the rule book was originally released with a list of equipment for the open that wasn't in line with the equipment list that CrossFit had given us just the week before. CrossFit gave us that like list of five things. It's the, the, the dumbbell, the bar and plates, the box, the jump rope, somewhere to do pull-ups, right? They told us that's all you're gonna need to do the open. And then the rule book comes out and the language in the rule book was actually language from prior years. It included medicine ball, it included rings for muscle-ups, it included concept two rower. And I reached out to CrossFit and I said, hey guys, this is really confusing. You gave us a list of five items. The rule book has a completely different list you're not doing yourself any favors here, you should probably update this. And they did, they updated it. To their credit, CrossFit saw that they had made an error in their judgment in publishing a different list in the rule book versus what they had told us, and they made an adjustment. That's a little bit different from this, but it shows that CrossFit is very fluid with how the rule book is being applied and what the language in the rule book can be. And that isn't to say that they're gonna completely nix the January 1st thing, but that is to say that even if they tell us, hey, we're gonna be very strict with the rule book, it could still have some room for compromise, for wiggling, for trying to figure things out. Now, the room that we're talking about for trying to figure things out would have to be pretty big to allow for what's going on with Mayhem. And the reason behind that is because two of those members that are joining the team were licensee of record on different affiliates at pretty recent points. I'm not sure if it was pre-January 1st that one or two of those had moved around or post-January 1st that one or two of those had moved around, but for sure there are other licensee of record on that affiliate team, on the Mayhem Freedom team that have been moving things around. And if there is a little bit of wiggle room there and it's like, hey, you know what? You adjusted your LOR on January 13th or you adjusted your LOR on January 9th or you moved to Tennessee on January 15th or whatever the dates are, I have no idea. But if they're looking at it as being like super, super strict, none of that is gonna fly. And for some reason, we're basically gonna see like Rich Roning 
retired by CrossFit. Like that, that's basically the end result. If CrossFit's like super, super strict with this, there's a chance that they are actively retiring Rich Froning from competition. And that doesn't seem to work in anyone's favor. The fact is that the Affiliate Cup has competitive affiliates in it. It always has. And there have been affiliates like uh, Fort Vancouver, for example, which are just constantly fighting for that top podium spot that's constantly competitive with the best of the best, and it's just all homegrown athletes. And on the other end of the spectrum is Mayhem. I mean, Rich has been recruiting actively since he first got into the team competition. He was bringing in athletes to join him because he needed to have more heavy hitters on the roster. And the fact of the matter is, it's really hard to argue that having exciting and interesting athletes on a team competing against other exciting and interesting athletes on a team is bad for the sport. It's incredibly difficult to argue that. It's also incredibly difficult to argue that you would rather watch a field of 40 teams where you recognize nobody and the only people who are interested in who those people are are the people who are members of their individual affiliates, their respective affiliates. It's really hard to argue that that is an improvement to what would actually be like a sporting event for entertainment. It's really difficult to argue that because that makes no sense. So CrossFit has kind of painted themselves into this really weird corner by asserting that they want to be strict with the rules. They're kind of saying that they have to apply them without any sort of wiggle room across the board, which is going to be actively detrimental to the end product of the CrossFit Games. But on the other hand, they also have kind of already said like, hey, this is the rule book and these are the rules. And if they start having a little bit of leeway and they start working with affiliates, they're going to have to have some sort of rule of thumb that's going to allow them to do that fairly across the board. And if they're going to do that, they should have just put it in the rule book anyway. They should have said, hey, you know what? Rule book is released on January 7th the eligibility requirements don't start until February 1st. That would have solved the problem right there because you give people an absurdly short amount of time, three weeks, to like pack up and literally move if they want to do that, to have you know, a complete change of address, join a new gym, get rid of whatever business interests they have. All of that takes a little bit of time, but you would have given people the opportunity to do that. So Perhaps they have something behind the scenes where they understand, hey, these are the compromises we're willing to make. This is the sort of wiggle that we have within this space. But at the same time, like CrossFit could just straight up come out and say Rich Froning's team is disqualified and he's not allowed to compete and that affiliate isn't allowed to field uh, any sort of team from now on. But looking at this from Rich's perspective, Rich is not a dumb guy. Like he's smart. He knows how to play this game. He knows how to field a team. He knows how and where he can sort of pick and choose his battles in order to have the best opportunity to win. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking to win. He wants to keep winning the affiliate cup. And it would be a, it would blindside me. It would be a shock to the system if Rich just out of the blue pulled this team together without already having conversations with people 
at CrossFit HQ about whether or not they're going to just nuke him from orbit for doing this. The amount of production that went into that video was like pretty high. I mean, that was a really highly produced, very high quality video introducing the new roster of the team. And it would be really foolish if they went through all of that work. Rich recruits these people. He moves them away from where they already live or, or play or act or whatever it is. He changes their LORs. He promises them the ability to compete at the CrossFit Games and a win because obviously. And he never ever did any sort of due diligence to make sure that it would be okay. That doesn't sound like Rich. That doesn't sound like Rich at all. Now let me tell you about my new sponsor, folks. The Wadproof Academy is probably something you haven't heard of, while Wadproof is something you have heard of. Wadproof makes a fantastic app that allows you to sort of film your workouts and you can have the timer embedded in the workout. It also connects to your Concept2 rower so you can have like, or your just various ergs, you have like all the data coming in from the erg on the screen embedded in the video. It's really dope, it's really awesome. 100% guaranteed you've seen athletes using the Wadproof app, but you probably haven't heard of Wadproof Academy. The Wadproof Academy is basically a training platform that gives you access to all these different programs, whether you're looking to do something broad and general like CrossFit and competitive CrossFit, or something more like directly just targeting gymnastics or rowing or engine work or at home programs, or you can kind of mix and match and put them together and have one as sort of like your base program and add on a couple days a week of one or the other. So you have this very surgical approach to improving your fitness. The coaches on there are some of the best in the world. They have a proven pedigree and in $9.99 a month, you're basically getting a fantastic availability of programs that you can follow along with and all the waterproof pro stuff like the heart rate monitoring into your video and the erg uh, interfacing with your you know monitoring on your video so you have all your meters and stuff all that stuff gets bundled in 9.99 a month you're getting in there you're getting great programming from great coaches and on a pretty fantastic platform that's you know easy to use easy to follow along and very sort of customizable to what your needs are. So you can go to the Wadproof Academy. There's a link in the description of this video. That's where you wanna to go to check it out. I think you guys are gonna really enjoy it. It's really an interesting way of putting things together that I haven't really seen before. So check it out, let me know what you think and I'll see you guys very, very soon. Take care.